0: It's good to see all of you here together uh, today. I am very excited. Uh, This is by far, without a doubt, the best time of the year. Uh, For about the past two or three weeks, I've done every single day, I go home from school and I put on my Christmas jammies and I get some hot chocolate and we watch Christmas movies all night long. (laughs) Uh, I love Christmas. Uh, But it never fails that the lead up to Christmas takes forever. Uh, you know, you're you're ready for Christmas come December first. You know, well in my family we put up the Christmas tree November first, uh, and uh, you have all this anticipation and you look forward to Christmas Day and you're constantly looking forward to it. But there's so much to do between now and then, uh, and it never fails that in times in life you're in point A and you look at point B. And you say, man, I want to be there. Man, I want to be ripping open Christmas presents under the tree. Uh, but there's stuff bef- that I have to do before I, I can get there. You know, I've got to finish up school. I've got to graduate. I've got to move in this house. I've got to, uh, you know, grin and bear through in-laws Christmas. And then I've got real Christmas at my house. Uh, but it's going to take a while. There's obstacles that I've got to get through. Uh, And in life, you can see, you know, it's just the same way. Uh, There's a man I'm sure many of you may know uh, by name or by reputation, uh, James Meadows. Uh, James is uh, one of the greatest preachers who's ever lived. Uh, James just died this past month, but he had a mind like nobody else. You know, you could Say a like two words of a Bible verse, he tell you exactly where it is. Uh, you could uh, he could quote scripture you know left and right, upside down. He could he knew his Bible. Uh, he was you know one of the most godly men you ever knew. And you look at somebody like James Meadows and you say, man, I want to be like that. But how? There's so much between where I am right now and where he is currently, how can I become somebody like him? And you think of verses like Matthew 5, uh, 14, it says, uh, you know, be a light of the world. How can you be a light to the world when you're so surrounded by darkness? You know, how how can I maintain that light when I look around me and everything I see is, you know, sinful and this, we live in a sinful fallen world and you know, how can I maintain that light? And, you know, James 1.27 says, you know, cast off all filthiness. Just don't have any bit of it. Don't take part in filthy uncleanliness. How can I remain unspotted when, you know, traversing through life can be like walking through a marsh? You know, how can I stay clean when everything around me is dirty? Uh, you know, I think that the answer to that in part... Uh, can be seen in this passage of David and the other giant. Uh, You know, we spend a lot of time talking about David and Goliath. And, you know, rightfully so, it's it's an amazing story and it's an amazing feat of, you know, God's strength. You know, David, a young guy, faces Goliath, you know, a giant, and he brings him down with just a single stone. But here, towards the end of David's life, he comes up against another giant. And things don't go quite as smoothly. Uh, he fights against the Philistines. You know, a, Israel's at war once again uh, with their reoccurring enemy, and he's at fight. He's he's at war, and he's fighting, and he grows tired. And then this giant, a relative of Goliath, uh, if you look at the Second Chronicles parallel, it says it's a brother of Goliath. He comes up against David, and they begin to fight, and. Ishbi Benob's going to kill David. Uh, David loses the fight. Da- how can David, the giant slayer, lose a fight against a giant? You know that's what he's known for. Uh, David's the giant slayer, but he loses against a giant. And as he's about to lose, he's about to lose his life. His nephew steps in, Abishai, and Abishai saves David. He kills the giant for David. And if you have your Bibles open to Second Samuel, look at this verse, uh, the end of the verse, uh, of verse 17. I think it's really interesting. Then the men of David swore to him, saying, "You shall not go out with us to battle, so that you don't extinguish the lamp of Israel." You know, David's. This is a turning point for David. Up until this point, David's been, you know, he was the shepherd boy and then he became the the warrior king. And then he, you know, he was the uniter of Israel and he united all the tribes and he created the the kingdom. He established Jerusalem as the capital. He's a great man, a great hero, a great strong man, but he's lost. And this indicates a change for David. No longer should you come out to battle with us, David. You know, we we don't want you out here because it's too risky. Not because you're useless, but because you're too useful. You know, the reason that we don't want you out here is because you're too valuable. We need you. We need, we can't have the lamp of Israel extinguished. And so, you know, David fought his literal giants and they got in his way. You know, they got in the way of the Lord. Goliath was hurling insult after insult after insult against uh, the Israelites for 40 days, and David shut him up. But when David faces this giant, he loses. And so I think there's some lessons to be learned about, you know, what, what do we do when obstacles get in our way? How should we respond? Uh, and... Uh, I forgot that I had a PowerPoint. Uh, You know, how should we we act when things get in our way? Uh, And so what I want to spend a little bit of time today doing is looking at how do we handle situations when they arise? You know, we're at point A and we want to get to point B. You know, we're in the church now and we want to grow. We want to be a stronger church. How do we get to that point? Uh, And so to that end, let's look at some different attributes. What we need is the strength of youth. Well, that all came at once. Uh, We need the strength that comes along with youth. when David is young and when David is strong, he's capable and he has God on his side. But so often we see youth as an excuse. We have this bad habit of saying, you know, I'm just a kid. You know, what can you expect from me? You know, I, once I get a car, then I'll be able to uh, travel and I'll be able to go evangelize and I'll be able to do this and that and, you know, I'll be of service then. Well, maybe then, goes and you, you say, well, when I graduate high school, you know, then I'll be in a position where I can uh, really serve the Lord. And then you graduate high school, and then you're in college, and you say, well, I'll start my service once I graduate college. You know, I'm just too busy. Who's, who's got the time? And it's easy to put it off and make excuse after excuse until your youth is gone. Why is it that we love to make excuses? You know, if you look at Moses... Uh, Moses was uh, in Exodus chapter 3 and 4. Moses is at the burning bush and uh, God tells him, take your sandals off, this is holy ground. And so uh, he does so and he speaks to God through the burning bush. And God wants Moses to go and deliver the Israelites out of the hands of Pharaoh. And so Moses is, you know, he, he says, sure, Lord, I'm, I'll get right on that. that's of course not what he says. He makes excuse after excuse after excuse. Uh, You know, he says, what if I don't have all the answers? You know, what if they ask me something that I don't know how to answer and I just look foolish? And so God says to him, well, you know, I'll tell you what to say. And then Moses is still reluctant. And so he says, uh, you know, what if they don't believe me? What if they don't believe that you actually sent me? And so God says, Tell him that I am sent you. Tell him that God sent you, the the God who created the universe, the God who is self-existent, the God who's omnipotent and omniscient, that's the God who sent you. And Moses is still reluctant, and he he gives a couple more excuses. He says, you know, what if I'm not not able to? And, you know, uh, what if other people are better? And God strikes down every excuse after every excuse there is no excuse to not serve God. Uh, and so, young people can do great things. And we see that all the time in the secular world. You know, Steve Jobs was, you know, 21 years old when he created Apple. Uh, you know, this past couple weeks, uh, I watched a lot of the funeral services for George H.W. Bush. You know, he was Uh, A couple months after Pearl Harbor, he turned 18, and as soon as, well, he was on his 18th birthday that he enlisted. Uh, You know, we expect great things from our young people in the secular world, but sometimes we don't carry over those same expectations when it comes to spiritual matters. Uh, And so this notion that people are, uh, that we're too young to serve is ridiculous. If you have your Bibles, open up up to uh, Jeremiah. Uh, Look at Jeremiah chapter 1, uh, 6 through 8. So Jeremiah is called by God. Jeremiah is a young guy and God has a message for him to preach. And it's not an easy message. Uh, God's going to tell Jeremiah to preach doom and gloom, uh, you know, the destruction of Jerusalem, and the message is so hard for Jeremiah, you know, he's known as the weeping prophet. Uh, he, The book of Jeremiah is all about it. The book of Lamentations is about it. He's so sad about the message he has to preach, and at first he's reluctant, uh, but look at what uh, transpires in verses 6 through 8. Then I said, Alas, Lord God, behold, I don't know how to speak because I'm a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I'm a youth, because everywhere I send you, you shall go. And all that I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. And so this idea that just because he's young, because he's inexperienced, he can't be of service is you know, once again shot down. God has called Jeremiah, and so Jeremiah responds to the call. And we see it all throughout the Bible. We see it in Joseph. Uh, You know, as a young man, Joseph is sold into slavery, and he says, "You know, you meant this for evil," talking to his brothers. But the Lord meant it for good. And because of the hardships that Joseph went through, because he remained holy, he was able to provide for the people of God. You, You see it in Samuel. Samuel was a young man, and you know he heard the voice of God calling him, and he thought it was Eli. And God had Samuel rebuke Eli for his son's behavior. You know, that was not an easy message. You see it in David. David's the, the young boy who kills the giant and he becomes king of Israel and he's the greatest king they ever have. You see it in Jeremiah who preaches a terrible message but he stays strong because God's on his side. You see it in Mary who, you know, as a a young girl, likely a teenager, gives birth to the savior. Uh, You see it in Timothy, who's a young man and he preaches at the church of Ephesus. Time and time and time and time again, you see that God uses young people. And so we need the strength of the young. The church needs to have a strong youth. We need your energy. And we need your enthusiasm and we need uh, your fresh eyes and we need your willingness to serve and, you know, we need the influence that you have and your abilities and skills. But it's not just us who need you. God needs you. And so that fact should not be lost on us. Uh, But it's going to take more than the strength of youth. Uh, It also takes the wisdom of maturity. Uh, this is a turning point again for David. It's a it's a shift in his roles. He's not the young warrior that he used to be, but he's still valuable. He's still necessary because he's wise and because he's uh, their king and he provides such great leadership. And so just because he's not the man that he used to be does not mean he's irrelevant. Now uh, far from it, his new role is, it's different, but it's, it's just as necessary. Uh, you know, w- along with maturity and age comes wisdom, uh, and those are traits that are often neglected. You know, we don't talk a, uh, a lot about developing wisdom, uh, and we don't always talk about growing in maturity. But uh, look at these uh, couple verses, James 1 verse 5, Uh, if you have your Bibles. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Uh, Look at Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1. Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity not laying again the foundation of repentance from the dead works uh, of our faith towards God. You know, we need to be pushing towards maturity. We need to seek wisdom. We need to pray for wisdom. Why? So that we can lead. Uh, you know, it's, it's never too late to do good. You look at the life of Moses, and uh, we talked about him a little bit earlier. Moses was 80 years old when he became the leader of the Israelites. You know, he was 80 years old when God spoke to him in that bush, and he served up until the end of his life. You look at Paul, and Paul served, and he was beaten, and he was, uh, you know, went through terrible hardships even though you know, he, has, he identifies as an old man. You know, Paul had uh, much to serve into his you know, older age. And I can't help about thinking... At Carnes, uh, where I grew up, there was a, there was a man named Wendell Ag, and he also passed away a couple years back, but Wendell was, uh, you know, blind and deaf as a bat, uh, but Wendell was the best guy you've ever met. Uh, you know, he was on every mission trip that we did. and uh, when, a mission trip in St. Croix, we'd hand out some flyers at the local Kmart, and You know, Wendell's hounding people down, (laughs) he's making sure that flyer gets in their car before they shut the door. Uh, But you see the, the love and the motivation in Wendell, and it was infectious. You know, you saw the leadership that he provided, the example that he was, and people wanted to follow. You know, he worked twice as hard as everybody else on that trip because he understood what was at stake. That, that souls were at stake. And so it's, it's never too late to serve because God needs you. The church needs you. We, we need your leadership and we need your resolve and we need your, uh, your guidance and your learning and your wisdom and your uh, influence. God needs you. The church needs you. But it's not enough just to have a church of uh, strong youth, and it's not enough just to have a church of uh, wisdom, uh, the wisdom of mature people. You need balance. Uh, you need both. you have your Bibles, open up uh, to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uh, let's look at uh, 12 through 14. For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and also the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit you were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one Spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. And I can't help but think, how does this relate? You know, a church that's, you know, missing an arm is not a whole church. A church that's missing uh, leadership is not a whole church. One of God's greatest gifts, one of the greatest pieces of wisdom that he left us with was the establishment and the organization of the church. You know, we have an eldership of of men and husbands and fathers that lead with all their years of experience and wisdom to help guide the lord's family into success. Uh, you know, in Titus chapter 2, uh, we see this this uh, dynamic of uh, older men teaching younger men and younger women or older women teaching younger women. You know, this mentorship between church members to help build them up, uh, to grow their lives spiritually. And that's what we need to do. In Acts chapter 2, uh, you know, we see that as anyone had need, the church grouped together and they met that need. They cared about one another. Uh, they care for uh, the, the weak and the vulnerable, the, the widows and the orphans. That's what the church does. Uh, and, you know, I can't help but think about, you know, all the different relationships uh, that you see throughout the Bible. Think of Paul's relationship with Barnabas. You know, Tim's been doing a, a great sermon or sermon series on, uh, on Paul. How must Paul have felt when Barnabas finally entered his life? You know, Paul was the persecutor. Paul was the insolent man. Paul was a violent aggressor, as what as he says in 1 Timothy. You know, this man who's the last person you would think would be touched by Christ— he became a Christian, and his life changed radically, and people weren't ready to accept him. And so sometime, for some, quite some time after he became a Christian, he's, he hides out. He goes away, and when he comes back, people still don't have uh, a good view of him, and people still don't want to associate with him. It takes the influence of Barnabas, you know, the, the son of encouragement, to bring Paul into the fold. Uh, You know, how must Paul have felt? Imagine the the depth of the brotherhood between Paul and Barnabas. Imagine the love and the thanks that they must have shared. And you think about the relationship between Paul and Timothy. Uh, We're teaching a class on Timothy for the high schoolers, and so a lot of this is on my mind. Uh, Paul calls Timothy his son in the faith. Uh, on quite a few occasions. Paul's a man who's a a lifelong bachelor. He was never married. Uh, He never had his own son. But for Paul, because he was in the church, because uh, he was able to share this special bond with Timothy, he had a son. You know, he had a a son in the faith. He was a mentor. He was a father figure uh, to this man who grew up Maybe without the best father figure, uh, you know. Imagine the special relationship that they must have shared. And going back to, to Wendell Agee, you know, I, I remember thinking, you know, man, Wendell's the man. You know, he he couldn't hear me if I told it to him. But uh, he is the the greatest. You know, he had this special relationship with everybody in the church. And the same thing with James Meadows. You know, they had these special relationships because the church is what it is and so the church needs the strength of youth and it needs the, the balance of uh, the guidance of wisdom uh, you know and we're all a part of the same body working towards the same goal you know a church without youth is handicapped a church without uh, without maturity is handicapped and i'm so thankful that I get to be a part of the Great Oaks Church where we have both. I'm grateful that this is a church where men and women are willing to serve and that we have so many young people who are ready and willing to work for the Lord because we need both. The church needs to be strong, and that needs to be a priority in each one of our lives. And so when obstacles arise in the church, and uh, they're, they're inevitably coming and there's always there how are you going to meet those obstacles? Well, maybe you should take a leaf from David. You know, when David, uh, David relied upon the strength of his, of the youth, because David was, you know, guiding them in maturity, you have all parts present. Uh, God, you have David's wisdom, you have Abishai's strength. We need to work together in unity. And when you have strength guided by wisdom, those obstacles that once seemed so mountainous and so insurpassable, you know, they're going to fade away. Uh, and so, you know, the church needs you, whether you're rich or you're old or uh, you're, you're uh, rich or old, whether you're young or you're old, rich or poor, uh, black or white. You know, it doesn't matter what category you may fit in. The church needs you. And the church needs, uh, the church is, you know, God's plan. And so, you know, if you look at your life and you realize that you're not being who you need to be, and if Jesus were to come back again tonight and, you know, you think about where might you end up, if the answer to that isn't what you want it to be, then make the decision to make that right. If you need the prayers of the church, then don't hesitate to ask. If you need to put on Christ in baptism, if you need to become a member of that body, uh, the body of the saved, then what are you waiting for? Uh, The church needs you. And so if there's anything we can do for you tonight, uh, don't hesitate. Uh, Come forward as we stand and sing.